Hi there and welcome to Tailfire's Influence Lab. We've uploaded all the audio recordings of our courses here, but for the full experience, please head to learn.tailfire.com. Thanks and enjoy. Part four of the How to Become a Category Leader series with Luca, our Head of Strategy from Tailify. Um, we're now getting into the third and final stage, which is the prosper phase. Um, could you tell us a little bit about this final step? Yeah, of course. So this is obviously, you know, like the last stage. And I don't like to kind of think of it as a stage because if you think back to this um, rolling snowball, you basically want to think that, you know, this ball gets bigger and bigger every time. It's There's no like... Let's get this ball this big and then we're done. It basically is continuously going at it because obviously if you think that your brand is a snowball, there's a lot of other snowballs going down the same slope. You want to make sure that you keep going down and you keep growing at a faster rate than the other snowballs, basically. But basically, once you're the, the biggest snowball, that's when you prosper in the mountains. Um, and in order to achieve this uh, status of category leader and, you know, really uh, dominating that segment uh, and or your niche, what you really need to do as a brand is build this ambassador community. That is the biggest thing that you need to really understand and that you need to get right at this step because you can continuously activate influencers. You know, you can, you know, pick them in different markets in different segments. You can scale, you can integrate them. But ultimately, uh, if you're not making them officially part of your network, thinking back to you know, the two things that we do, finding the right influences and making them part of your network. This is really when we consolidate those relationships. We really make them an extension of our client's brand. And this is where they actually realize that full potential of it. Um, and there's a, an interesting analogy, which has always been one of my favorite. I'm also a big Harry Potter fan, so obviously it, it speaks to me. Um, but it, it, it is um, basically a research that has shown that 92% of conversations uh, about Harry Potter online are held by 43 people. So now if you think about this as Warner Bros, wouldn't you basically want to have these 43 people as part of your network? Uh, because I feel like that obviously would make you then a category leader whenever you, you know, release a new movie or a new attraction at the Warner Bros studios. If those 43 people talk about it, you make sure that, you know, 92% of the conversations will be about that and you'll make sure to reach that audience at scale. But what you also don't want is for them to go to, you know, Universal or any other big group, because if they have influence uh, over, I don't know, the film industry, you obviously don't want them to talk about other movies. You want them to talk about Harry Potter. But yeah, so basically, how do you find these 43 people is a very exciting question, which I hope you're asking yourself now watching this. Uh, and basically, there are multiple ways that you can do it. But the way that you do it systematically and making sure that, you know, you're minimizing risk because you don't want to make any influencer your ambassador. You want to make the ones that, you know, are performing highly as part of your program so far. So the ones who are actually you have they have proven that they have influence over their target audience. Uh, and you also want them to uh, be authentic, you know, advocates and fans of your brand, which means they need to be organic users of your product or your service. So they really need to kind of win this spot as your brand ambassador. And then what you want to do is that, let's say you've, you know, activated and built your program up until till this phase, you will find that some influencers are performing better and that they're actually posting a lot of organic content. You've seen it on, you know, some of their stories in their other YouTube videos, they're actually using it. And that's when, you know, it starts sticking that these guys 
can be your brand ambassadors. So what you want to do at this step, and that is where, again, our uh, data team is really specialized in, is finding what are the common patterns amongst all of these ambassadors. So let's say out of 300 influencers that you've activated, you find that in the market, there are 15 that are outperforming everyone. So you start trying to dig into the data and finding out what is common amongst these 15 and how can I then deploy that AI tool to troll the web and find some more. Um, because if you can do that, then you will make sure to, you know, uh, basically build relationships with all the ambassadors in your network. So obviously this takes time and it's quite a lengthy process, which you need to do across every segment and across every market, but it is a very critical one. And we like to adopt this cold-headed, warm-hearted approach because that's kind of our core values as a Scandi company. So we really combine the data-driven approach, but we also need to have a lot of warm heart in building and managing those relationships with the ambassadors on behalf of our client. So I know a little while ago you made a, a really good document that goes into more detail about how to build those brand ambassador programs. So we will also include that in the course for you guys to take a look at. Um, it's a real in-depth breakdown of how to best create those brand ambassador programs. So do check that out. And then once you've made that kind of pool of ambassadors, um, which you can continuously refine and, and improve upon each time you work with them, what do you actually do with them? Yeah, and that's a good question because you don't just want these ambassadors and you, you know, you need to be, again, quite systematic about how you approach this. So basically what you want to do is sustain the relationships with them, because if they are the highest performing influencers for you and they are authentic advocates of your brands, you really need to become friends with them, to, to put it simply. And that means entering into long-term contracts, maybe six months to a year or maybe more, if they're true ambassadors of your brand. In doing so, you make sure that you can be proactive in setting up content plans, in making sure that you know they stay relevant over time, you align with their personal life events, etc. But you also prevent them from going to competitors, which is also obviously, as a marketer and as a brand, a critical part of it. But we've broken it down into three ways that you can do this. And the first one is basically embed these influencers and these ambassadors into you, into your brand. And as I said, this means setting up these unique content plans, renewing the messaging, aligning with seasonality, aligning with their personal event. So if you think about their story coming this way, you have your brand story, you need to find a way that, you know, this aligns and uh, becomes like a nice little synergy uh, and a mutually beneficial relationship, basically. The second thing that you can do and one that I know our team in strategy is really excited about is that these ambassadors are a great way to innovate. So if you have them, you know, at hand, ready in your pool to be activated, you can really tap into trends, into culture, you can tap into movement, you can use them for good as well. So, you know, let's say something like the Black Lives Matter movement, if you have those ambassadors who are trustworthy and a true extension, you can really leverage that trust and that authenticity to maybe, you know, uh, help them, uh, help you, sorry, communicate what you're doing to support that movement. So as you know, other form of marketing cannot be perceived as authentic. Whereas if you have that synergy with those ambassadors, they're perfectly uh, suited to do that. And the last thing that you can do is really rethinking influence as, again, not an amplification channel, but influences as a strategy to your brand. And that's what you see Glossier, Gymshark, and all these great brands who are thriving on influencer marketing do. And they really start co-creating with those influencers. That means influencers actually become part of brand development strategies. They, you know, give feedback on new product launches. They are used, you know, for survey focus groups. They help you, you know, design packaging. They help you name a new product. 
when you start co-creating again you create that really strong synergy with these ambassadors and the ultimate goal is you know think of an, of uh, your brand you think of the face of the brand which is that influencers when you think of that influencers you think of the brand if you can achieve that then you have re- truly found the best ambassadors for you this sounds like probably the most challenging and time-consuming step so why is it important that brands get this step right if you think back let's let's circle back to the very beginning of, of this course we talked about a network so these ambassadors will basically be the nodes in that very complex and dense network which will have the most connections but also the best quality of connections to their audience so if you think that every influencer is a node and they're connected to hundreds of thousands of other nodes which are their followers um, if you just look at attention, you will look at which ones are the nodes that, that have the most connection. And that's very limiting because you will only look at quality, not quantity. Whereas by combining data and psychology and really, you know, optimizing, digging deep into the content every step of the way, you start understanding which ones of these influences have obviously a lot of connection, but also have these connections be really, really strong with their audience and trustworthy, which means whenever you then you know, spread a new message in the network through these influences, it just spreads very quickly. So in that sense, these ambassadors become really instrumental as making, at making sure that as a brand, you become central in that network and you basically become a category leader. And that's why this step is so important. And that's why you can't rush it. Because if you go too quickly, you'll create ambassadors out of nodes which haven't proven to be successful and haven't proven to have that influence which means you'll spend a lot of money. It will be a high-risk exercise and it, you have no uh, real chance to become then central in that network. Amazing. And then to just cap off the end of this four-part series, what's your advice? What's your final piece of advice for people to do this effectively, successfully to become category leaders? So I guess just to, to circle back to all parts is obviously make sure that you set up good foundations. And that's what we do with the calibration phase. Make sure you have a clear understanding of your brand, you know, your industry, the influences that you want to work with and how much you need to invest. That's a very big thing as well. Then make sure that you're how that you have in-house or either through an agency, the capabilities to collect and analyze this data. And you have the support of technology to help you replicate the success because then you activate, you learn, and then you can replicate. And that is a crucial part. If you can't do that, you won't be able to scale. You'll just activate, 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 and it will stay flat. And at the end of the day, make sure that as we do at Telify, you approach everything with a cold head and a warm heart because influencers are people. So don't think of them as just a pure acquisition tool or as a pure awareness tool. Think of them as people who are going to validate and relay your brand message to your audience. So make sure that you're systematic, but also have a very warm heart in building relationships with them. Amazing. Thank you so much, Luca. This has been How to Become a Category Leader with Luca, our Head of Strategy at Taylorfy. Please do check out the rest of our videos on Influence Hub. They're going to be all posted below. Um, And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Esme. It's been a pleasure. The influence economy is the future of the economy. And it's already here, as William Gibson said, it's just not widely distributed. And the signs that are already here, that it's already here is primarily that we're seeing CPAs cost per acquisitions rise across most other channels. And this is the main reason why brands come to us. It used to be super cheap and profitable to acquire customers on Google through AdWords or Facebook through their ad platforms. And somehow that's not the case anymore.
Now, the answer to that question uh, hides the secrets to what is really the nature of and what's driving the influence economy. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed that episode. Please do share and give us a like and head to learn.taylorfy.com for more content.